Man, it's a beautiful day outside, isn't it? Some of my favorite time of, time of the year. Let me stop and say hello to all you guys watching online. We love you. If you can be here in person, be here in person because there's just nothing like gathering together as family. If you're visiting with us, um, it's an honor to have you here. Um, again, find somebody with a name tag that says I'm here to help and they will get you where you need to go or get you the information you need. And uh, I want to encourage you in a couple things. Or one, say thank you first for all you guys who walked in the parade, who helped pack bags, who did anything um, with the parade yesterday. Thank you. Um, we got a ton of good feedback. People um, just impressed with how we love people well, how we're present in the city. And uh, it just makes me smile, kind of that proud papa feeling just to watch you guys go to work and love on people across racial lines, across gender, across age. And it was just fun to watch people uh, feel loved and be loved on by us. Um, also, let me remind you, most of you committed to, and if you didn't, you're committing now. We're, gonna, we're endeavoring to bring one person. Somebody asked me, so what if the one person is attached to a family of four? That's a bonus. But one person for Easter. We're preparing our ushers and preparing our greeters. We're going to have seats lined up. Um, like Lauren said, it's probably going to be a full house that morning. Um, so get up early, come celebrate with us, and uh, we, I promise you this, if you do your part and get somebody here, we're going to do our part and prepare. Um, we've got a lot of new music and stuff we're going to try this year. We're venturing way out on the limb. <laughs> um, so come. It's going to be fun, and uh, I think people that you invite will enjoy it, but most of all, you do your part, we do our part. Um, I believe God shows up and we can make heaven crowded and change some eternity. Amen? Amen. We're in this series called Closer um, as we head into Easter. And the idea of this Closer series is to help you take one step closer, to get closer to God, but not to do it alone, to bring somebody else with you so that people follow you and get closer to God. And so that's that what we're talking about in the last couple of weeks is this, this period of time that the Bible says, Sometimes we call it Holy Week. It's the week before Easter. But there were several moments where I believe Jesus, even though he was headed to the cross, even though he knew what was coming, the Bible says he took some time and focused on the disciples and brought them closer. And last week we talked about James and John um, and what they did in those moments right leading up and what God did for them. But we're basing it all this, building, our, building on and hanging our hat on this scripture in James chapter 4, verse 8. It says, come close to God and he will come close to you. See, this is truly God's heart. To have us, his, the Bible says, no slam on if you're a dog person or a cat person or a bird person or whatever critter you love. They're all wonderful and he created all of them. But the Bible said there's nothing that he created like us. He wants us close to him. He wants us in eternity with him. He went to the links he did and sent Jesus because he wants us. But even during this time, Jesus takes time with his disciples. And this is the, the story right before Jesus heads into Jerusalem in Matthew chapter 20. Jesus was going to Jerusalem. He took his 12 disciples aside privately. They were always in a crowd. People were always flocking. By this time, they kind of knew who Jesus was. or He had been doing cool stuff like raising people from the dead and giving the blind sight. And people would flock around him. So he pulled them aside and told them what was going to happen. And we said this last week, but the disciples just didn't get it. They thought he was going to attack and build an earthly kingdom. 
just like James and John didn't get it, I want to talk to you this morning about Peter. Peter didn't get it either. And Peter had these moments with God up close. Peter's plan, and he, even he said, hey, I want to be right there beside you. Jesus, whatever happens, I'm with you. They, you're not going to get rid of me. But he didn't get what Jesus was telling him. But here's the difference with, with Peter. On his lowest moment, as you'll see in a minute, he experienced it looking Jesus right in the eye. Now, as parents, especially of, say, six and down, we got a lot of kids over there. If you've been to the kids' building lately, so I know a lot of y'all parents are here, so listen. When you walk into a room, you hear a noise, you hear something crash, and you walk into the room and you say, what happened? And your child does this and won't make eye contact with you. And your experience as a parent, have they done something good or bad? See, yeah, and if you ever watch kids, they don't ever want to look you eye to eye when they're doing, you know, now little ones will, little ones will look at you and, and kind of test the waters. But once they realize that when I mess up, punishment's coming, or they've, they've, they're embarrassed, they don't want to make eye contact. And the truth is, it really doesn't change for all of us as we get older. When, we, when somebody calls you on their carpet, you just like, don't, like, I, I can't look. Like, I'm not going to admit to it. If I look at you, I've somehow admitted it. See, Peter experienced his issue looking Jesus right in the eye. But before I give you that, I want to give you some, uh, some of Peter's issues. Because even Peter, yes, Peter was a disciple. But Peter stepped in the same mess that we do. Peter had the same issues, and it walked him into his, his, his problem, and he suffered that looking Jesus right in the eye. See, Peter struggled with forgiveness, with unforgiveness. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, that Peter came to Jesus one time and said, God, this guy has offended me. How many times do I need to offend him? I mean, do I need to forgive him? Peter was thinking, that he was going to say, oh, four or five times and then write him off. But Jesus gives him the answer, 70 times 7. There's other places where Peter just dealt with this unforgiveness. And Matthew chapter 5 is so, Jesus is really direct about it. I didn't give you the verse, but in Matthew 5, Jesus actually says, hey, if you're coming to give an offering and lay it at the altar and you realize something, you've got something between you and your brother, do you all know what the Bible says to do? The Bible says to lay that offering down. Go out and forgive your brother, make things right, and then come back and give. That's how serious Jesus was taking this, and even, even Peter didn't get it. Here's another one. Peter was derailed by fear. Anybody identify with that? You got big plans, I know this is what I'm going to do, but then suddenly fear takes over. Or you're walking the walk of faith, you get some bad news, a bad diagnosis, and you're, you're faith-filled and walking, and then suddenly fear comes, and it just knocks you off the tracks. See, even, even Peter dealt with that. Do y'all remember the story of Peter in Matthew chapter 14? Remember what he was? This is why I always say, if you don't want to know, don't ask God because he'll tell you. Y'all remember what Peter asked Jesus? Jesus comes strolling across the water, and Peter says, hey, let me do that. I'm sure in his mind he thought, uh, there's no way, he's not going to invite me out. And Jesus says, come on out. Well, in Matthew chapter 14, it says when the wind and waves got strong, he was what? He was terrified. He was the deer in headlights. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I'm just frozen. 
the story goes on that he screams, save me, God, and begin to sink, and Jesus reaches down and pulls him out. Here's another one. Now, before I give it to you, anybody ever done something on a whim and regretted it? Okay, look, Peter was impulsive. Now, anybody ever done this? You ever pull a sword out and cut a guy's ear off? Yeah, hopefully not. Peter, when Jesus, when they came to arrest Jesus, impulsively grabbed a sword and cut the ear off of a man's ear, and Jesus just kind of pops it back on. So he's acting impulsively. In Luke chapter, in John chapter 18, verse 10, he drew a sword and cut off this guy's ear. Now here's one. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. And we may not have ever done this intently, intentionally, but we've all done it at some point. Peter denied even knowing Jesus. Not once, not twice, but he struck out. Three times. And the Bible says in Matthew 26, look at this. On the way, Jesus told him, hey, you're going into Jerusalem. He says, tonight... You're all going to leave me. All of you. He didn't leave anybody out. Now, look at what Peter says. Peter stands up, and we talked about this last week, and declared. Declare is, is forceful. He said, even if everyone else deserts you, I'll never do it. And I highlighted it once here. Anybody said, I'll never? I'll never buy another another car like that. I'll never do this. I'll never say that. Or promise your spouse, I'm sorry, honey, I'll never do that again. Odds are you're what? You're going to do it again. So that's the most emphatic way Peter could say it. Never, ever, ever. I'm never going to leave you. Look what the verse, the next part of the verse says, 34. Jesus replies, I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you the truth. Tonight, Peter, before you hear the rooster crow, you're going to deny me three times. Look what Peter says. And this is Peter talking to the man who is about to go to the cross for us. He tells him no. Again, back to the parenthood thing. Does it get under anybody else's skin like it does mine to see a child tell an adult no? Like my girls, they fully understand. Don't tell me no. Don't refuse. If I'm telling you to do something based on my, my love and care for you as your father, then... I'm never going to tell you to do something that's going to hurt you. And if I tell you to do something, no is not the answer. So you can even nod your head yes and move on. But don't tell me no. And here is, here is Peter telling Jesus, no. Even if I have to die with you, again, I will. I will never. Now look at this. Peter does this. And all the other disciples jump on board. Notice none of them stood up brave and said, no, no, no. But they said, yeah, we, we vowed this. Yeah, me too. This is like one guy gets brave and the rest of them like, yeah, me too. Yeah, count me in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah, never. And Jesus says, no, tonight it's over. So now Jesus has been arrested. And the Bible tells us, and you can read through that, the story. The Bible tells us that before the soldiers came to get Jesus, Judas betrays him. He says, the one I'm going to kiss is the one that you need to go get. So he goes and betrays him. And before Jesus ever left the garden, they were gone. They were, it was done. They didn't have anybody's back. 
I can imagine what it feels like for any of us if you've ever been, um, I don't know, I remember one time as a, as a kid in the neighborhood we lived in, like a bunch of kids were, were fussing and arguing and you, you yeah, we're going to get you. And then it's, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Yeah. Right, guys? Like, it's just you? Like everybody else bailed? That's what the disciples did. They just like, nope, we're out. I'm dipping. Uh, they're, they're taking you. This is not good. And they left before Jesus was ever even out of the garden. So then you move forward a little bit. Peter, the Bible says, was standing outside of the room where Jesus was. Really, the trial was a sham. Because by Roman law, you can't try people at night. And so even that fact alone, the trial should have never happened. But the Bible tells us that right outside the door with people standing around a fire warming themselves. And Peter is standing out there. And he's challenged by two, the Bible is very clear on this, two young girls. And then the third one is a bystander. And Peter, who thought he was close to Jesus, who ran from the garden, is about to step in it. His lowest moment ever. I, and those are my words. I have to imagine. That has to be a low moment in his life where he looks and sees what's about to A hopeless place. Again, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but anybody ever been in a hopeless place? I, I'll raise my I have. And if I'm not careful, the devil will drag me back to it. We've gone and you've heard me say many times if you've been here for a while, um, talking about Emma, my oldest daughter. I have a special needs 19 year old. Um, and it makes me feel old every time I say that, 19 years old. Which means most of you are old too because y'all have known Emma her whole life. But there's times when, it, when I can feel like the hopeless, like devil trying to drag me back into the, that low place. And I've talked about it before, and I won't go all over it again, but that when we found out about Emma and her diagnosis, I was angry with God. It was a very low place in my faith. I was mad at God. And so here is Peter in a hopeless place. But I want you to look at something. I want you to look at the exact moment that Peter smacks the bottom. It was as, as if somebody had knocked the ladder out from under him, and he was falling. And the moment he hits the rock-hard concrete surface, I want you to look what Jesus did. In Luke 20, 22, verse 61, it says, At that moment, the Lord, Jesus, who is inside, he's being beaten, he's being ridiculed. He, and beaten is really not even justice of what happened. He was tortured. And look what he did. He turned... And looked at Peter. Some believe he was looking outside of a window, but he looked outside at Peter and the people standing out there. And then suddenly, anybody ever had one of these moments? This is the parents say, I told you. I remember when I was, I was in college and I had a Jeep Cherokee and I loved that Jeep. And it, it was a tank and I had big old tires on it and I could go anywhere and no, nothing would ever... Like, they close the roads to the mountain to go snow skiing. We just drive around the, the, the uh, barrier and we'd head up the mountain. Who needs a plow? And I remember coming home between my house and um, school. They were working on a road, building a new highway. And when they cut the new highway, I thought, 
cool shortcut. And so for the years they were building it, I would just get up to the, the, the highway mark where it says road closed because it was just dirt. And I'd just go around it. And I'd drive through the mud to my house. My dad always told me, he said, Clint, don't do that. Because you're going to find yourself in a suddenly moment. And it was probably about six months later that they had dug a hole I didn't know about. And it was, it was the grace of God that I didn't mess up real big. Jeep sunk in a hole, and I was out in the middle of nowhere by myself, couldn't get out. Finally, after walking quite a ways, found gravel. And I carried, I don't know how many loads of gravel, in a hard hat that I had from work. Back and forth, it may have been 20 feet, but it felt like a mile. Back and forth to make this work. And finally got my truck out of this hole they had, they had dug. But it was one of those suddenly moments that I heard my dad saying, don't do that. You might never get in trouble, but don't do that. Well, here's Peter having one of those moments, and the Bible says that suddenly it flashed through his mind. Jesus saying, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times that you don't even know me. Notice it was fully denied. It wasn't just like, yeah, I was with him, but we just kind of left him. He denies him fully. And in verse 62, Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. That was Peter's moment with Jesus. Watching him eye to eye, and I often wondered, what is something in Jesus' look caused Peter to come back? It wasn't just when Jesus, and actually some people believe that Peter was one of the first that Jesus showed up to when he, when he came back from the dead. He was in this hopeless place at this exact moment. Jesus would have been justified. And a lot of us have done it, parents. I have. Anybody goes, I told you so. I told you if you did that, this was going to happen, and I told you so. Or condemn them. Jesus had every right to be condemning. Remember, even in the middle of us, the middle of laying down his life, Jesus never lost sight of his mission. And here's what I believe. He not only wants to keep you closer, he showed us how to do it with other people, to bring us closer. Because Jesus showed Peter compassion. And compassion moved Jesus to act, to respond to lay down his life, to do something. Because I truly believe compassion moves us to act. That when you feel compassion, it should be followed up with us moving forward in something. Because here's the other side of it. Compassion also moves people to respond. Because Jesus showed Peter compassion, and Peter, as you'll see, responded. If you remember the story... You might remember the story in the, new, in the it's probably you've heard it in Sunday school if you've ever been to Sunday school, of Jesus healing the man with leprosy. The Bible says that the man's covered with this skin disease and he cries out, hey, please heal me. Jesus, I'm asking you to heal me. And Jesus, the Bible says in, in Mark chapter 1, he says he was moved with compassion. Notice he had compassion and then he did what? He was moved. He did something. And then he says, I am. Be healed. Well, he goes on to tell the man, hey, go present yourself to the priest. Follow the rules of the time. 
and don't tell anybody. But the man couldn't hold it in. If you skip to verse 45, the Bible says that the man went, spread the word, telling everybody what had happened to him. And as a result, something happened. What happened? When, he, when people saw this, large crowds came. The Bible says that surrounding Jesus, he, could, he was so, it was such a big deal that he couldn't enter a town anymore. The Bible says he was just surrounded by people. So Peter's, I have to believe Peter's response now is acting in our lives as he, as he moved. Because you need to understand this about compassion. I want to give you this definition. Compassion is awareness of someone's misfortune. And I highlighted big letters for you there. Accompanied with what? Doing something about it. Doing something about it. Jesus will move by compassion. If you look through the New Testament when Jesus is on the scene, he had compassion and he did something. He had compassion and he did something. He had compassion and he moved. He had compassion. They were hungry. He fed them. He had compassion that the guy was blind. He, he healed his eyes. And compassion for us ultimately took him to the cross. But you see, the start of compassion, we talked about inviting the one. The start of inviting your one has everything to do with how you view them. Whoever, is in your, whoever you've thought about, let's say this, as being your one, I want you to just kind of picture them in your mind. And then what I want you to do is do this. See them through the lens of eternity. See them bigger than a lifespan, bigger than just the next 10 years, the next 20 years. That you understand that they are eternal. See them through that lens. Look what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 2, verse 3 and 4. It says, God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to do what? Understand truth. There's nobody that doesn't qualify this. So see, see people through the lens of eternal. They're eternal beings. It's not just time here on earth. The Bible says time here on earth is but a, a vapor compared to this expanse of eternity. John says this or in 1 John. If somebody's got enough money to live well and sees somebody in need and does, shows no compassion, do they even have the love of God? In John 3.18, let's not merely say that we love one another. Let us show something by the truth in our what? In our actions, compassion followed by our actions. See, compassion brings you, I believe, and the person that you're ministering to with you. It causes them to respond. And I want to teach you on this one, and we're going to close here. The last thing it does is that a lot of people will tell me, Clint, I can't come to church. Why? Because I've, I've walked away from God, and there's just this expanse between me and God. I've turned my back. I used to go to church, and um, you just don't understand what I did last night. You don't understand where I've been, how many people I've been with, or what I've said, or what I've done, or I've been to jail, or I've done this. And, and they always picture this expanse between them and God. But there's a very good New Testament scripture that proves this point, that compassion closes the gap. Because the Bible says that Jesus, he looks at us with compassion and begins to move toward us. You come closer to me, I'm going to come closer to you. And it's not seen really anywhere better than in the story of the, the return of the prodigal son. Look at this in Luke 15, verse 20. 
It says, so he returned home. This is talking about the son. Returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, dad saw him coming. Y'all remember the story? Dad sees him there. And it says, of the dad, he was filled with love and compassion. And he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. What did he do? He closed the gap. See, I think we, we need to get over this idea that, that God is not moving towards you or the people that you're praying for and you're bringing. The people that are going to come on Easter and whose lives are going to be changed. The people who are going to come thinking they're just going to come just to shut you up. Ushers, you guys can do your thing. And they're going to come just because you've invited them and invited them, and so they're going to show up. But the Bible says, even though if they think there's a gap, once they stand on the horizon, the Bible says that just like the father saw his son coming, I truly believe that the Bible says of Jesus that he runs to us. You know, we sing the song, and we're going to sing it as we close today, I run to the father, but the real idea is when we run to the father, the Bible says he's running twice as fast back to us. That's where we're going. See, for Jesus, compassion is made real for me when I think about the mess of my life. When I think about the mess in me, the, the things that God's brought me through, that low point, that God didn't look away at me when I stood out in the parking lot here after finding out about Emma. And I didn't quite flip God off but I was PO'd anybody ever been there like really I'm doing my best to make heaven crowded I'm serving you and this is what happens see just like Peter at that moment I can't say I saw Jesus but I just felt this compassion and I can imagine Peter having that look where he looked down and Jesus looked back at him and brought him out of that or through that hopelessness. See, right now, the thing you probably feel, if you'll be honest with yourself for a minute, is you're having to answer, you're feeling God's compassion, you're feeling his love, but you're going to have to answer. Everybody in the room today will fall into one of these two categories. And compassion should move you. And it's going to move you in a couple ways. One, you would say, I know Jesus and his love, and I know his compassion for me. Well, then the question you're going to have to ask yourself is this. Am I being moved to do something about it? Am I really going to invite somebody and bring them on Easter? Or am I going to sit here like a lot of people do, I invited somebody the other day. Don't, I'm, this doesn't exempt me. And I sat down with the person I invited and said, hey, I want to invite you to come join us on Easter. And uh, if, if you're busy, you're not going to hurt my feelings and say no. I said, or you can do like everybody else tells the preacher. Yeah, sure, we'll be there. And then don't show. And he just laughed. He goes, no, I would never do that. I was like, yeah, that's what everybody says. And then you don't show. But you're invited, and I want you with me. Is that compassion, is that love that when... When Jesus peered through the window at you, when you were sitting in the depth of your nastiness, when you had smoked it, drank it, when you had made a mistake and you thought, I just messed up. God's never going to want to look at me 
and he looks through the window at you knowing he's about to go pay the ultimate price for my mess. So am I moved by this compassion to act? The next question is you're going the other side of this is you might be in this category. I don't know Jesus. I need to know Jesus, his love and compassion for me. The Bible says that's an easy thing. But it forced you to answer this question. Am I moved to respond? That right now the thumping you feel in your heart is not God just trying to mess with you. It's God going, hey, the Bible says I'm just going to keep knocking until you answer the door. And I'm not leaving. Yeah, you told me to go where I could stick it and you flipped me off. And yeah, you're just ignoring me. And yeah, you talk bad about me. And yeah, I did a lot of good stuff for you. And now you've forgotten about me but I'm still going to knock. That's what you feel. It's compassion moving you to respond, moving you to share your story and let God intervene. So that's my question to you this morning. Just for a second, if you'll bow your head and close your eyes, is ask this question. First, for those of you who know Jesus, is what, I, what God's done for me. I'm not perfect, but you should have seen me a year ago. I don't have everything in line, but God's stepping me out one by one straightening my life out, fixing my mistakes, helping me get closer to Him. Is that love and compassion that I feel causing me to act? Or are you in the second category that says, I just, I need to know Jesus. I need to respond. If that's you this morning with heads bowed, eyes closed, real quick, we do this every week. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I do want to give you a chance to respond. Not to me, but to to Jesus that he's I imagine looking through the window of heaven down at us just like he did at Peter that day but I want to ask is that you this morning and if that is if you say Clint I've walked away and I need to return or I just need to make this right for the first time if that's you just wave at me real quick I'm not going to embarrass you I'm not calling you up I need a couple hands going up but I want you to repeat I want everybody repeat this with me say Lord Jesus Come on, even if you didn't raise your hand, say this like you mean it. Lord Jesus, today, I'm moved by your compassion. I receive your love. Forgive me, God, the sin of my life. Jesus, I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said, Amen. Okay, we've got some marching orders because now everybody in the room can fit in category one. If you didn't pray that, then you still can. If you did today, you can shoot a picture of the QR code in front of you and just let us know you did. Let us know you prayed that because we want to send you some stuff and just encourage you and your, your next steps. And I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing this song. I love this song. I encourage you to sing out. Sing, run to the Father. God, we thank you that we can run to you. And today, God, we do just that. We run to you and we thank you for being so good to us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Why don't you stand?